Today's episode of Cinema Gush is brought to you by the picture the fight in your head before it happens trope. This is a real trope. Definitely not a trope I made up. Definitely not a trope that I pictured in my head and went and looked for and then couldn't find because it doesn't exist and really only exists in the movie we're talking about today and maybe uh, Sherlock Holmes, uh, which didn't even occur to me until somebody else brought it up later on. The picture the fight in your head trope. Never, never, never fight without it. Three, two, <laughs> one. one. Hey, how's it going? Hey, it's going good, man. How it's you doing going, today? It's going good. Yeah, it's, you know, it's a rainy April day. It's time for a gush. Yes, and isn't it? And they say that a hero could save us. <laughs> I'm not going to stand here and wait. It's funny. I thought that myself while Did watching you really? this movie. <laughs> yeah, because, okay, I've expressed on this podcast that my love of movies really... I, I mean, everybody loves movies, right? But my love of movies mm. started summer of 2004. Oh. And I would say the first first uh, swing at bat was Spider-Man 2. And then two months later, Quentin Tarantino Presents Hero, starring Jet Li, was, was my next swing. And I see. those were kind of the movies that uh, grabbed me and held me tight. And today <laughs> we're going to be talking about Hero because, you know... We've already done Spider-Man too. Mm-hmm. Yes, we have. Yes, yeah, we have. yeah. This is this is a good one. It's uh, you have you seen this movie before? I had not seen this movie before. This movie, this DVD case, was always lying around our house. My younger sister Rebecca, who I talked to about the movie today, mm-hmm. um, I said, "Hey, was that your copy of Hero?" She's like, "Yes, I love that movie." And this is. My, this is the sister who doesn't love any movies anymore, any mm-hmm. music, any shows. She's like, yes, I love, love that movie. I watched it so many times. And I just remember thinking, I always saw the DVD in the case, just like, you know, in the living room, in the front room, sure. on, the, on the bookshelf. Never thought to ever watch it. And uh, dang, man, did you see this in theaters? Or I saw this in theaters, oh, yeah. My, I, that was treat. back when, so that, that summer I got a subscription to Entertainment Weekly, and I would read the movie oh. reviews every week. Uh-huh. And I saw this review come out. And people were talking about how they tried to get this movie out for two years in America because it came out in China in 2002. Um, and it was like they find Quentin Tarantino stood up and Disney got it moved forward and they got the movie out and people just loved it. And I wanted to see it. And so this is the first time I went to anything that could be considered more artsy. Oh. Um, and I convinced my friends to go because I told them there's a lot of Kung Fu and I fell in love with it. This is a thoroughly cinematic movie you tell this story in a novel form probably a great read not the same thing you tell this in a a stage play probably great to watch it's not the same thing this movie does everything i mean this movie utilizes cinema per se to its full effect yes and and it just it, it is visually a feast and i love watching this movie yeah so it was like nolan before nolan i'm like this sure imax i I could see where so many other movies were inspired by this movie and i could see the Mm -hmm. movies that inspired this movie absolutely yeah please go right ahead gush to your heart's content I, I will state, I think this is easily my favorite, and I can never say this word right. Our our cinema professor taught us this word. Wuxia? Wuxia? Yeah, we're thinking the same Great. thing. Okay. Awesome. Yeah, Wirefu. It's my favorite Wirefu movie. <laughs> Joining the ranks of, you know, uh, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, 
uh, House of Flying Daggers, which is the same director. Yep. Um, I enjoy both of those movies. I love this movie. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I, I... This movie is... Whenever I hear the term unreliable narrator, I think of this movie, right? Oh. I mean, it, it is it is like the quintessential unreliable narrator. It, the, the, in, in case you haven't seen it, I'm going to lay out the basic premise and then we'll, we'll do yeah. spoilers quickly thereafter. Basically, this is uh, Jet Li plays a character without a name who shows up to the emperor who's been afraid of assassination. This is like 150 B.C., and this emperor of the Qin Dynasty is trying to unite China under one imperial rule. And a bunch of the magnet uh, uh, provinces don't want that because, obviously, and they seek to assassinate him. There's a near chance of assassination on his life, so he becomes paranoid, he becomes reclusive. And Jet Li shows up and says, I've assassinated your assassins. Basically, I've killed the three people who tried to kill you. And and he is granted an audience with the Emperor. And the plot of the movie is him telling the story of how he killed these assassins. But what makes the movie so rich is that we hear the same story told three times. And three different ways. Uh, it starts with Jet Li telling the story. And then the Emperor says, I don't believe you. I think this is how the story played out. <laughs> the Emperor tells the story. And then Jet Li says, no, this is actually how it played out. And then Jet Li tells the true story. And each time there is a different uh, uh, color motif, right? The cinematography, the, the, the palette, the palette of the film changes wildly between each telling of the story. Mm-hmm. And it is, I, I, I find that mesmerizing. Um, I will state, I had not seen this movie in 10 years. It's been about 10 years since I've watched this one. Ah. Yeah. And I, I, I think the color correcting is not as good as it is today. <laughs> there are parts that I never noticed. And I'm like, ooh, that uh, that's a little rough compared to how you can do it so easily with a computer. But remember, 2002, uh, color correct, color grading in a movie movies was invented like a year before. Yeah. Um. Yeah. No. It. It. it sh- the, I was struck this viewing that it shows its age. There's some. There's some CGI that doesn't stand up. About there's to say some, the arrows. Yeah, kind of threw me off a couple of times. The arrows. Like, mm. <laughs> yep. Which to me in theaters was awe-inspiring. That that arrow scene. Uh, and this time I'm like, mm, that didn't work as well as I thought. The the water when uh, when Donnie Young moves his his claw oh, yeah. around didn't work as well for me. But <laughs> the storytelling still hit me hard and I really enjoyed it. So, well, I guess well, let's just jump spoilers and, and I want to hear your thoughts as you go through. So well, I, well, I will, I will pivot right now to say that when yeah. you mentioned some of the, the parts that are dated, um, the lack of crowd CGI made up for any bad oh, CGI. Man. I had to look this up. At I, I looked it up too. In the movie, 18,000 thousands from, uh, I believe, uh, from China's the Chinese army. army. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So it made perfect sense as to like why they would be in the movie, but Man, there is what's that phrase that you guys have used? Uncanny Valley before. There is a, I yeah. have, I think this movie is not going to wreck crowds for me. Uh totally. especially when they're like duplicated because mm-hmm. man, when you when it um we also watched <laughs> another one in film studies, DW Griffith. Um Yeah, yeah, yeah. Birth ton, of a Nation. Yeah, where it had a crap ton. Well, there was Birth of a Nation, but there was also 
Oh, um, starts with an do I? Do we do? In, inconvenience? No. Yeah, we didn't do Birth of Nation. We just talked about it. We, didn't. we just talked about it because... Because, you know, all the racism. Oh, um, the racism. Intolerance. That was the movie. Intolerance. Uh, and that also had an insane amount of crowd and extras and sets and things like that. So um, this movie, like, forever is going to change the way that I look at crowd scenes now. Um, it, yeah. No one would ever do that today. I mean, right? there's no reason to do it. But, man, when you see 18,000 people march across a prairie... And they're real, you feel it more. Absolutely. When you see 18,000 people standing in formation in front of an imperial palace, I like I watch that, I'm like, is this a matte painting? This must be a matte <laughs> painting. There's no freaking way they got this many people. And then I looked it up, and I'm like, holy crap, they got that many people. Yeah. I, like Return of the Jedi, when you've got the, like, the 2,000 stormtroopers standing in the docking bay of the Death Star. That was a matte painting, right? There was like 30 stormtroopers really there, and then they just painted the rest of them. But these crazy sons of bitches put 18,000 <laughs> people in front of the palace. Well, I, I even pulled up the uh, CPI inflation calculator because I looked up the budget, which was $31 million, which at the time was the most expensive Chinese movie ever made. And mm-hmm. I just thought with 18,000 extras, 18,000 costumes, all these things, what is that in today's money? It's it's only about $53 million in today today money. Um, so I was like, well, I have a theory on that. Oh, okay. Please. Now I, I, okay. Let's, 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 let's nitpick a bit here. Nit- yeah. I don't know. I was struck with how propagandic this movie is on this viewing. Yeah. This is a, I didn't pick up on that as much in previous viewings, which is on me really. Or maybe it's just the, the tempo with China these days, but this is very, very pro- China is a dynasty blessed by God to propagate forth. Well, interestingly enough, when the Chinese were confronted with the propaganda, because some critics went on to say that this movie had a lot of Chinese propaganda and that they rigged the film. They didn't rig fucking shit. They didn't rig it. <laughs> Sorry, I had to get that in one more time. I'll I leave, appreciate I will leave it. that show alone. Go on. Uh, no, so that that did strike me a lot more. Yeah. And, and so <laughs> m- the point I was making is, I doubt the movie had to pay for those extras. That was probably just part of their military service. You know what? I can totally see that now. So the budget went to removing the wire work. I mean, and the color of the fabrics for sure. Maybe. Hey, labor is cheap when you're a communist. This movie needs a a re-release with amazing color correction. That 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 would be. Oh yeah, that'd be great. I wonder. All that said. All that said, please. Nitpicking the dated effects. Big disclaimer that this is clearly a propagandist film to a certain degree. It's still got a great story and it's amazing filmmaking. And I enjoyed the crap out of it on my 10 year viewing. Um, (laughs) So the movie starts. Jet Li's character is delivering the weapons of the three assassins he's killed. He's ushered into the the emperor. Uh, The color is... Even before we start in the stories, I find the cinematography and the color shocking, stunning. I mean, it's the the the, the landscapes, the the wide shots showing eighteen thousand extras, um, the the way the the we'll come back over and over to how the the way it looks to watch that many people just move. Yeah. Um, <laughs> The, the the giant rooms, which I have to assume they filmed on location in some of these places. Um, and, and you, you, it just, it it immediately fills you with the awe of being somewhere that is alien to both time and place. 
And then Jet Li, who gives a very reserved performance through this entire movie, uh, basically is ushered forward to tell the story of the first assassin he kills, which is Don Donnie Young. I'm saying that right, right? Danny Young? Yeah. Is it Donnie? He was, I, I he was I, Ip Man? Ip, I, yep. And and uh, the, the blind monk from uh, Rogue, Rogue One. One. Yes. And I, it would be better if he was in Last Jedi, but yes, yes. Yeah, okay. Uh, we just had to get it in there. Oh no, I love it. I love it. <laughs> and he was excellent in John Wick Four. Um, okay. He is the first assassin. Now this fi- movie is filled with actors that I love and respect that I didn't re- realize were in this movie. Again, actors I I've come to really enjoy in ten years since I'd last seen it. So he basically, uh, Jet Li's character, Nameless, is what they call him, uh, f- finds his uh young's character and they they have this battle sequence in a chess house this incidentally is also where i first discovered the game of go and thought it looked visually really cool and pursued that a bit more to the point where i realized that i could spend a long time being really bad at go go was great <laughs> Me too. i recommend everybody spend a long time being bad at go which in the dub they called it uh chess they did call it chess. Oh, did yep. you watch the dub or did you use subtitles? I did watch the dub. That's what uh, the only place I could find this movie was on Pluto, and that was the option mm-hmm. was dub. I did subtitles, and they still call it chess. But I mean, it's essentially chess. Oh, there you go. Um, I mean, I th- I think Go is referred to as chess. I don't know. Doesn't matter. Um, but it's this. It's a chess house. And by chess house, it's a courtyard, and the rain is coming down, and they've got these pavilions over the chessboard. But they have a hole over the chessboard so that the rain can continue to fall on the chessboard, the go board. Mm-hmm. And they're using these pucks. And it's just this visual motif of the black and the white pieces. And the rain is falling down. And the sound is filling the theater. And it, 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 it was just... I was in love with the movie right out of the gate. I found this scene mesmerizing. I, I found it so mesmerizing that I went through great... Uh, effort to rip the movie to my computer and edit that scene down so that I could have it on my PSP in high school and oh I could watch it whenever gosh, I wanted to. Gosh, what? <laughs> it was that scene and then the lobby scene from The Matrix and then like two episodes of Futurama and and to put to put two episodes of a TV show and and two five minute scenes on a, on my PSP took just untold hours of effort. You just unlocked a memory of young Nick on Kazaa downloading matrix Kung Fu scene, matrix elevator scene. Wow. Yeah. Yep. Wow. Yep. Back in the day when you wanted to watch things on the Back go, in it was the day a lot when you of only work. had a one gigabyte on your computer. You had to really, really be uh, preferential with what you were going to watch. I, I had a hundred megabyte uh, memory card on my PSP, and that cost me a hundred bucks. Dude, uh, quick aside, I just found my thirty-two megabyte jump drive, the first jump drive I ever got. I was just like, I don't even know what the hell I put on here anymore. Yeah, like six photos. Mm-hmm, oh mm-hmm. gosh. Continue. Yep. Continue. So yeah, no, I I would watch the scene all the time because it. I love the rainy feel of it. I, it's these gray washed out colors uh, and, and, and the martial arts itself is just really cool to watch. I mean, right out of the gate, you get this wire foo martial arts performance between the two characters that most of which is occurring in their minds, which I think has got to be a trope. If it's, if, if it is a trope, you'll have already heard it's a trope because it'll be sponsoring today's episode where the battle takes place in the minds of the martial artists to figure out, uh, 
what's happening. Who's going to win the fight before they even have the fight? I, I, I swear I've seen this other places, but I cannot for the life of me think of it any other place. You recall anything like this? Nothing really comes to mind if I'm being honest. Well, and maybe I'm making it up because this is definitely the first place I saw it. <laughs> but it, it it it's just a cool motif, no matter what, where they're basically about to have the fight and they stop, and they the film shows you the fight they would have in black and white as they meditate on their fight. <sighs> then they realize who's going to win, and they quickly execute it, and it's a fast little spurt of a fight. You know what? I've kind of, kind of seen that in Sherlock Holmes. Oh, sure, sure. Maybe that's what I'm thinking of. Maybe that's what I'm thinking of. Which I wonder if that was. And I wanted to say this. Kill Bill, but no, that can't be right. That was just well, Tarantino again is the reason this movie was released in America. So if you took an homage to it, that wouldn't be surprising. Yes, and by the way, I did Google if there was a 4K release of this movie or uh, House of Flying Daggers, and and there is not, and there There's really not. should be. There should be because I I streamed it on Amazon and I. And it, it could use a, uh, it could use some finessing, some love. It could use some finessing. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the resolution showed its age, which is no fault of the film. Um, not at all. So yeah. One of the things that struck me too, and this is, I don't know if, what it was about it, but watching the, 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 basically the emperor's guardsmen fight Young's character first. And all their swords bending. I don't know. Did that strike you at all? It's just it was such a weird way of like it was right out of the gate. They swing their swords and he'd he'd sweep his quang or his spear or whatever it is to the side, and their swords would deform in these elaborate ways. It was like it it, it was surreal, and I feel like it it puts you in this realizing you're watching a kung fu movie, but you're not watching a. Uh, you're not watching Enter the Dragon here. This isn't this isn't a hoorah kung fu film. This is a mystical, mythological film. Now, I want to come back to that later. Let's let's swing back to that at the end of the talk. But it's just it's a it's a weird. It's a movie with an entire layer of of almost magical realism to it to a certain degree. Just it it feels very myth making. Um, it's. Which fits with the fact that it's about storytelling within storytelling within storytelling. I think mm-hmm. it's the first time I ever saw a movie with the backflash within a backflash. <laughs> so he tells the story. It's great. And then he moves on to the next part of the story. and and Which is him killing the next two assassins. Which are a, a, a couple. Two lovers. Who are also the leads in In the Mood for Love. Which we are going to gush about sometime in this podcast. because I, I have to make you watch that movie. Wow. It's such a great that. movie. Yeah. They're, I didn't either until yesterday, two days ago when I watched <laughs> the movie. I didn't realize it was them either. Sweet. But they are the leads from, from In the Mood for Love. I mean, Tony Luang is in, like, everything. He, he's the villain in uh, Marvel. Help me. Shang-Chi. Shang-Chi, right? Shang-Chi. Z um, Zhang. Is that how you Zhang Z? I don't know how to say That's the... That's She's the in. girl from Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. She, he, and she Hour to him in this one. <laughs> and Rush Hour 2. I forgot about that. Very she specifically. In, yeah, yeah. Memoir, memoirs of a Geisha. I never saw that. But yep, that's she, right. Yep. I haven't either. This is the last big thing she was in. Um, the um, King looked super familiar to me, and I checked his credits, and I don't I don't recognize him from like anything, but I was like, I saw I that either. face. I was like, oh, man, he looks so bloody familiar, and then I could Did, and then. I was wrong. Did you see the IMDb trivia of who was originally offered that role? Jackie Chan, right? What a weird casting choice, and I I really wish I could see that. 
I mean, Jackie Chan has such a affable nature to him, whereas I felt like the king, the emperor in this seemed kind of sinister for most of the movie. Yeah, and I think, you know, young Jackie Chan, this is 21, 22 years ago, I guess, and then it would have been 23 years ago probably for filming. Uh, that wouldn't have worked, I don't think, very well. I See, think now I, I think it would it have. Would have. Yeah? I think it would have worked, but I think it would have changed the tone of the movie. I think you would have liked the Emperor more, which when we get to the ending, I think I. Let me put it this way: I think this movie has a bittersweet ending, mm-hmm. where it's, uh, you don't know if we've got a good ending. Whereas I think if Jackie Chan was in the movie, you'd feel like you had a good ending. Because I think you'd like him more. You'd be okay with the way it plays out. Yeah, absolutely. Um, anyway, so it's he's got to kill a couple of, of lover assassins. Uh, Tony the Wang's character, and uh, I can't remember her name. What is the... Maggie Chung? Or... Yes. She's, Flying Snow. Um, she's an incredible actress. Um, and again, if I... Yeah, Maggie Chung. Uh, if, if, if we for whatever reason die before we can do in the mood for love anybody listening to this make sure you see that movie because it's one of the best <laughs> movies ever made i think it probably make my top 10 Ooh, i like that we should do a top 10 list someday we've talked about that yes we have i have i have my top 10 ready to go whenever man Absolutely. i'll work it up if you want to do that sometime let's end the right. season with our top 10 list let's sounds great sounds Perfect. great um so he the emperor asks how did you defeat them because they're an unstoppable force of, of martial arts prowess. And he states that basically he used their passion to turn them against each other. And he tells the story mm-hmm. and the story, the, the first story, this, the, which is again, a lie. He's telling the story he wants the emperor to hear, but it's a story about passion and lust and betrayal. And it's just seeped in this deep red crimson. And it's gorgeous. Mm-hmm. I, I, the uh they're basically he he approaches them at a uh calligraphy school while the the kin army is advancing with their bows and arrows and so you get the the entire school is filled with these red drapes and and everybody's wearing red cloaks and people are painting things with red ink and which is actually a plot point and red lipstick on all the women i mean it's 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 almost laughable how red everything is but it looks so damn good Mm -hmm. um there's a pivotal scene that occurs in each of the storytelling uh sequences and it starts here is the library and i can't imagine the work they did because it doesn't look like they color corrected that library it looks like they built three libraries of vastly different colors yep (laughs) um which is is gorgeous, but but basically he tells a story about how he he basically tricked them into uh, having a lover's quarrel, and she ends up killing him, and then she comes to the Kin army and duels him, duels Jet Li's character, and Jet Li kills her, and that's mm-hmm. how he does it. the 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 major set piece of of this sequence, though, as we've alluded to, is that rain of arrows that. He and she, um, flying, flying, flying what snow, flying snow, mm-hmm. and moon. I moon. Okay, yeah. Okay, flying snow and her and uh, and him protect the school from. And again, this is the greatest scene I'd ever seen in a movie. <laughs> Doesn't quite hold up as well today. <laughs> it's a little too CGI, a little too motion blurred. 
but the but the moments to me that stuck out way more is watching the uh, the students do their calligraphy while the arrows are raining down. What a cool sequence where the 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 lead t- uh, instructor is saying that we must protect the written word and we will do this uh, even unto death as arrows are just going thong 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 right around him. What did you, what did you think about this sequence? I love I mean, the way he just scolds them because they're all like panicking. He's like, hey hey hey, come guys, come on. Come on. Right. Like, oh, okay. And then they get back to drawing and like, I, I don't think any of them dropped. Once no, the so, no, get... they, they do start dying. Okay. It didn't look yeah. bad to me, but okay. Uh, <laughs> there, there's a couple of them. It, it's not as many as you would think, but yeah. a, a nice chunk of them do take arrows and, and they're, they're drawing as people are dropping around them. And I love that. Uh, I love that idea that, like saving the, of the written word and that that's worth dying for. I thought that was very beautiful. I, yeah, no, I just, I, I love that <laughs> sequence, but it, but that sequence was cool when I was a kid, but it was the arrows that were the hero of that scene. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. it's the opposite to me as an adult. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so did you know that this story was told in three parts? I did not. I didn't know that it had that Rashomon sort of effect, which sure. anyone who has not seen Rashomon, it's a, a Japanese movie from the 50s, Akira Kurosawa, where um, three different people testify to a crime and three different stories are told and three different flashbacks are seen. So it's that kind of effect throughout this movie. Have you seen it? Rashomon? I've not seen it. I saw it in film class. I think you might have played hooky that day, maybe. I don't think I would have played hooky that I didn't. I thought, I thought we did Seven Samurai for our Kurosawa. I played hooky that day. It must have been a different class. <laughs> I don't think I've seen it. Interesting. Let's rat ourselves out. We deserve the I grades we got. go watch that got. movie. Yeah. No, okay. He gave us three free skip class days because he knew how much time he was asking of us in the evening. Still wish uh, I'd skip shoot. last year in Marion Bad. I haven't oh. forgiven him for that. There's a weird cred you get, though, in certain circles where you mention that you've seen that, and they're like, oh, oh, you have. Oh, oh, oh yeah, wait, okay. You're one of those artsy-fartsy types. And you're like, yeah, I sure am, buddy. What are you going to do about it? Anyway. Let's put it this way, okay? Anyone who's seen Last Year at Marion Bad and says, oh, I've seen Last Year at Marion Bad is trying to be snooty because what they're really saying is, oh, I survived Last Year at Marion Bad. Do we need shirts that say, I survived Last Year at Marion Bad? I've considered going to a trophy shop and having a trophy made saying, I watched all of Last Year at Marion Bad and putting it on my shelf. Lord. Lord have mercy. (laughs) All right. Once we get to 100,000 views, we'll review Last Year at Marion Bad. Perfect. Deal. Great. Okay. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Great. (laughs) <laughs> oh, shoot. oh yeah yeah that was a good class um do you remember what he said when he turned the lights on i feel like this story needs to be told in the podcast at some point no remind Schaefer, me Schaefer Schaefer turns the lights up and he said oh wow i didn't expect this many people to still be here i don't tell people at the beginning of the movie but i never take role at the end of this one. Oh, geez i don't even remember that you Amazing. don't remember that yeah <laughs> he expected people to walk out all right anyways anyway so, basically, he tells a story. I used their lust and their passion to turn them against each other. Lovers quarrel. Uh, the emperor then his candles flicker, and the candles are like his lie detector, this mythos, mystical lie detector thing. And he says, "No, nope, I don't think you're telling me the truth." And then he tells his story, and he tells a story, the a very cold and calculated story attempting to assassinate him right it's a it's very i think you did this i think you did this i think you plotted with this person and it's all in this cold sterile blue color and i just love that juxtaposition juxtaposition where we went from this just fiery red 
filmmaking to this very cold, sterile, dead feeling filmmaking. And and it's still it still just tickles me. Um, and his story is basically that that Jet Li has come to kill him, and he's somehow convinced uh, these three assassins to allow him to kill them first, so that he can get close enough to the Emperor, because they all know that's the only way that they could possibly kill the Emperor. Um, did you? So. When you saw this sequence, did you have a favorite sequence of the three? Because the the, I mean, I I, I kind of loved the middle one just because of the pacing with when he actually says, you know, I need ten paces, and then he mm-hmm. shows them what he does with the water cup, and then he catches it like at the end of the sword, and then all of those scrolls like unravel at the same time. I was yeah. just like, oh, what a great moment! That definitely was my favorite. That was one I could watch like over and over again. Just I oh something about but, that sequence. And I love the way that played out where the Emperor is like, you must have a special move, a super kung fu power move that must be within 10 paces. Otherwise, why would you bother to get all these people? Um, <laughs> and so the, the I, I like the way the movie does that, right? Because this is, this is the Emperor just musing for 20 minutes of the film, even mm-hmm. though you're seeing it as a story. But you're still learning things about the characters and you're still learning that you're learning about the Emperor. You're learning about the way he sees the his role in the country, right? He views mm-hmm. things very calculated, very plotting, very uh, cold and disinterested. This is what must be done. This is, yeah, I, and, and, and very intuitive. I mean, he, he clearly has a great insight because we learn later that Jet Li does have a super move that requires him to be within 10 paces. <laughs> um, so in every situation, we know that Snow has to be the one to go to the battle because the army saw that fight happen. So yes. in every story, we know that snow has to be there and sword cannot be there because he wasn't there when the army watched, watched nameless fight. Um, so in this version, um, nameless kills snow and they go off and, and the sequence happens. So at that point we have the final story of this, the tale where, where nameless explains that you're right. I do have my super move. Um, but the missing person all the vital organs, yeah, missing all the vital organs. I can stab somebody with such precision that they, uh, I won't have to kill them. Which intuitively means I can stab somebody with such precision that they have no chance of surviving. And this uh-huh. is the move he's going to be using. Um, he is just he is unbelievably precise with his sword play. Um, but he states that he underestimated sword, and so he tells the same story again. And this time, everything is in white. He's telling the truth. It's the colors are are very naturalistic, aside from an, a lot of white. Um, and and you learn that as he says, you've underestimated sword. Um, and and they tell the story of what actually happened, and and the story as it plays out is that. You learn that when Sword and Snow, they're the ones who had attempted to kill the king three years earlier, had gotten there, that Sword had every ability to do what he came to do. He was mm-hmm. easily could have killed the king, but chose not to because in his study of of uh, calligraphy, he realized that the, the, the nations of China are just warring and will war forever unless somebody can unite them. And he believes this emperor is the only one who can unite them and that killing him would just continue warfare into perpetuity. 
So he chooses not to kill the Emperor. And that that is what causes the rift between him and Snow in reality. Not not any mm-hmm. lover's quarrel. It's that, yep. that she feels as though he has betrayed their cause. And he does not feel like he, he's failing to express to her why he has made this decision. Um, and and that's where we get our backflash within a backflash. Where we get the kind of, the, we see that backflash of the assassination attempt. And I love those green draperies hanging down and... Uh, Okay, so that was uh, so the green drapes. That part was gorgeous. That was the first moment where I was like, okay, this movie needs like a 4K. It really needs a remaster, re-release. If I ever run to Tarantino, I will specifically ask him that. That will yeah. Happen. But if it does, I'll be like, dude, what's it going to take to get Hero done in 4K? Um, I mean, if that, we could remaster like Casablanca and and Citizen Kane the way we have, we can definitely remaster this to make it stunning. Yeah, maybe they just spent so much time trying to make an HD DVD out of it, then that one lost the the HD wars, and they're like, eh, forget it. Oh, did they make an HD DVD out of this no, one? No, no, that was, that was the joke. Okay, okay. We spent all this time trying to do an HD DVD, we can't do Blu-ray. Um, but that in that sequence, those two words, our land, uh, which means, uh, I think, which literally means all under heaven. Um, mm-hmm. that idea. And that's what made like the emperor, like loot, like have a, or the king, have, right. like a little tear, like all that. That was like very well done. I just thought that was like, man, this guy's an assassin yeah. who's supposed to assassinate and he ain't going to do it. Or maybe he will. Well, and he so the, he? Right. And the, those are the words that as Jet Li is marching off to kill the emperor, uh, sword te- writes our land into the sand and he doesn't say anything. He just walks away. And, and as Jet Li is recounting this, that basically he's telling the emperor that you didn't survive by chance. He decided to say, spare your life because he recognizes that you are the only one who can bring peace to this land, despite it not liking the way you're doing it, but that that's worth worth something. And so that's where I feel like if we had Jackie Chan's character, you would mm-hmm. see the sequence and you'd, you'd feel relieved because the likable emperor had a worthy goal. I think that would have been an interesting movie. I do think that it would have been a lesser movie. <laughs> Yeah, because what I really like the sinister emperor, the 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 paranoid emperor, and then that moment where his cold calculation is revealed to have a purpose that he yeah. believes this is what must be done for the empire, and it it completely recontextualizes how you see him as a character. Completely, and I will say too the uh, the big finale with all the arrows heading right at Hero. Or mm-hmm. nameless, and they don't show his body. They just show where his body would have been because there were no arrows the at gap. that particular point. The gap, yeah, yeah. What an amazing way to like paint a picture without af- actually having to show you how much uh, d twenty damage that man endures. Such an evocative moment. Absolutely, he gets that, that, that hero's funeral, man. Oh, I. That's the image that stuck with me the most. I mm-hmm. often think about that moment. Uh, I was sitting around realizing I was going to watch this later on Sunday evening. I was bored at church and thinking about things I shouldn't have been. So I realized <laughs> I thought of that moment and thought, oh, yeah, I'm excited to watch this movie. Did you see? Um, did you ever see the show uh, American Gods based on the Neil Gaiman book? No, I, I read so the book. There's a scene, uh, which is now a famous gif. I don't, I'm not going to post it in the show notes because it's not appropriate. But okay. uh, it shows what somebody looks like when they are taking every single possible arrow to the body. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I don't remember what that scene was for, but it was like some guy at a cornfield, and all of a sudden he gets hit with like ten thousand arrows and just falls over, and like not thump, one thump, is out thump, of place. Thump, thump. Yep, yep. So I was like, well, I guess I already have that image painted in my mind. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, the, the the movie works often in as much as what it chooses to show as what it doesn't choose to show. I mean, we're we're going through this pretty quickly in broad strokes because yeah. a lot of the imagery just. A lot of the movie is imagery. A lot of the movie is just letting you soak in in this poetic imagery. It is not a hoorah action film, even though I think it has some really great martial arts. Yeah. Um, I think the is, first scene, the first fight scene with the spear was the best, in my opinion. I agree. I agree. Yeah. yeah. It's the most action-y of the action sequences, and even that is half taking place in their imagination. Uh, yes. It it is a. It was one of the it, like Spider Man Two is the movie where I watched and realized that you can make blockbuster popcorn entertainment that also really just utilizes the craft of filmmaking really well. This is the movie that recognized that you can have artsy poetic filmmaking that isn't up its own ass and is really <laughs> great to watch. The truth is I've uh, come to like stuff that I th- would have just hated at that time, but that's how all art sure. works. The yes, more you oh, get to know art, the more you appreciate the the various absolutely. aspects of it. Well, and I think I've mentioned this before when we did our, our lovely review of jujitsu way back in the day. Oh, uh, wow. Gosh, was yeah. that season one? Shoot. Um, I remember. I was, I was reminded how much I really did enjoy pirating martial arts movies when I was in high school. I, I, I need to see like, more uh, martial ones. arts movies. Well, great, because our follow-up to this one is me gushing about a Jackie Chan movie. So we will. Excellent. Yes. Which one? Ooh, Don't see. tell me. Yeah, 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 you're right. Keep it. Yeah, because uh, can I ask you this? Yes. Is it is it a Chinese Jackie Chan movie? Yes. Great. I have never seen a full Chinese Jackie, a Hong Kong Jackie oh, really? Chan movie. Yeah. Aside, do, we, do we do one of the film studies? We may have done one of the film studies. A Jackie Chan one? I don't remember. I can't I remember. No. Okay, I don't think I have. I don't think I've seen one. I'm excited. Okay. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Cool, cool, cool. Because there was like um, a, a number of ones I was looking at, and I was just like, well, Rumble in the Bronx is mostly American. But say what you will, Shanghai Nights and Shanghai Noon, like, that's good oh, stuff. Oh, those are fun like, movies. <laughs> Rush I Hour, those Shanghai are fun as heck. Like, I had a great time. Absolutely. <laughs> um, so, um, well. But, so what it made me miss was yeah. I miss that wire work. I do miss yeah. that element. I think, you know, um, it has been done very well. It was done very well in the Matrix movies, I thought. Um, even the newest one, mm-hmm. I thought, ha- which I know a lot of people don't like. I really enjoyed. I think I had that fun with it. we need – I would like to see more martial arts movies like that. Maybe it's just me who's calling out for this with my nostalgia, but I am working on like a story right now. I'm just like, I need to have some some wire work in this because that would just be amazing. We need we – need, it's, it's, it's kind of an art form. you know. I, it really is. I would be surprised if that comes back. I I think both Mad Max and John Wick have brought back the practice, 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 get really good at your stunts so that we can actually show you having the fight. And I kind of would guess that in a couple of years we might see more of this because that's kind of that it's this it's they're they're akin to each other, right? You know, it's bound to come back in the same way that uh, westerns went away for a super long time, and then mm-hmm. Yellowstone happened, and now westerns are all back all over again. Sure. I think. I think wire work, wuxia, wuxia, wuxia. I think that's on its way back. I really do. That'd be well, nice. It very much adds to the feel of the movie to make it feel like myth making. There, I mean, the 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 characters are essentially flying. I remember the first time I saw Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, thinking this looks stupid, and then as I got older, I realized no, this looks 
weird in a way that just transforms the feeling of the film. Absolutely, uh, man. Really appreciate it. Yeah, so, I appreciated it too. Just excellent film. You brought up when I was telling my child to not bring his pee-pee pants into my room. Uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. You started singing, not to, not to, not to. Side note, I did cut this entire sequence out. Don't worry, it was neither cute nor uh, interesting. But you did miss us singing, not to, not to, not to. Continue. I thought a lot about RRR while watching this. Did you? Because I feel like <laughs> RRR was so much fun, but it was a silly movie. I think this movie and it are very similar, mm-hmm. but I find this one much more effective. They're both myth-making films about con- national uh, war- country building, right? I yeah, mean, yeah. it's... It's it's they're very patriotic movies. They're both very much suffused in myth. I really like how this one plays out. I think it 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 was it's just interesting watching them so close together. I I, I thought a lot about that. Did that strike you at any point? It did, and uh, I the more I thought about our 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 uh, discussion, the more I realized I was probably way too hard on it, and I actually really. Oh, I get what you're it. saying. <laughs> oh, I um, I loved it. Don't get me wrong. I just feel like. I don't. I didn't take it seriously, and mm-hmm. even as much as I loved it, I still don't take it as. I and I don't mean that as an insult to it. It's not right. a bad film. It's a really fun film. Yeah, but it's not a terribly serious film. And may, I think you can make the argument that maybe this movie's too serious, but I really like it. I, yeah, it really I, speaks to me. Yeah, I, I would agree. I love the cinematography of it, which was an Australian, like an Australian dude, was the cinematographer. For oh, I didn't know movie. that. That's great. Yep. Um, I think that. The more I think about RR, the more I, I let myself enjoy it. I think, and for I what love, it is, for what it is, yeah. I think yeah. whenever you see like the critics are like ninety-seven percent, you're like, oh, this could be really good. And then I saw it, I'm just like, if any American movie did this, it'd get like two, like a two percent on Rotten. Totally, Tuesday. right? But um, there is a cultural difference, and and that cultural difference, I think, is part of the fun. Mm-hmm. I totally agree. And uh, as far as hero goes, man, just a blast and a half. I just I love the. Again, we need that 4K release. We need the the color. We absolutely heightened. do. Um, I would love to see this on a giant screen again. Oh yeah, me too. Absolutely. Just uh, and I would love to see more Jet Li too. He hasn't done anything since Mulan, but I'd like to see more of him as well. And I never was did. It? Is it IP Man or Ip Man? I've never seen it. I haven't yeah. seen any of them. It's, I think yeah. it's Ip Man. I always said IP Man. People corrected me. I believe me. there's five of them. I don't know. Well, so okay, so both both Jet not Jet. Uh, Don, Danny, Donnie Young, and uh, Tony Luang have both played Ip Man in different movies. Really? He's been in the Ip Man movies, and then Tony Luang was Luang. Forgive me for my mispronunciation of <laughs> these people's names. I, I mean, no disrespect. But he was uh, in Grandmaster, which I hear that's the one I want to see more because I'm kind of that's that's uh, Car Wong. Oh shoot, names. <laughs> names. Um, so car why? So car why? Uh, version of it. Who's a director I absolutely adore. The f- three or four movies of his that I've seen. Let's see. Yes, Car Why Wong. Thank you for all that you do for us. IMDb. <laughs> Beautiful. Truly. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's what I got, man. 
I like the film. Man. Yep, I liked it too. I can't wait to watch it again, and it'll be uh, when I see my sister again. It'll definitely be a topic of conversation because uh, I was texting her. I was just like, "Tell me more about you know." She and she just found the movie randomly and just loved it and bought the DVD right away, and it just went yeah. on like crazy in our house. And I, I don't know if I didn't watch it because she liked it or whatever stupid reason I was for my high school angsty guy at the time. But man, I missed out because this was this was a blast. It's a great movie. It's a great movie. It's a great freaking movie. Yeah. Uh, so. Now so. we when we talked what it was two three weeks two weeks ago watching anything good lately? Yes, I had a random question for you though. Please, please. Uh, if you go to r movies on Reddit, there is this post, and I think you made it, but with that expression, probably not. But here's the post: In honor of Vin Diesel wearing three different sleeveless shirts in the Fast X trailer, I scoured his films, noting every sleeveless shirt and time spent in them. When he wears four sleeveless shirts and spends 14 to 15% of the film's running time in them, the films make more money and have higher critic scores. Did you post that? <laughs> I did not post this, but I desperately wish that I did. Yeah, this is from Lundgren's Front Kick. He does uh, random data things on uh, r movies and... The one about Vin Diesel with his shirt, I was like, okay, is this Brendan? I wonder. Oh, incredible. Incredible. <laughs> That's some uh, good statistics. Yeah, man. Uh, well, to answer your question, to follow up, uh, we did finish 1883. Uh, if I had seen it last year, I, it would have been a very close second to Severance. It was incredibly, incredibly, Great. incredibly good. Highly, highly recommend. Um, I am almost done with an anime called Jobless Reincarnation which is very good, but has moments where I have an insanely difficult time recommending it to anybody because sure. Jap- Japanese males. Um, <laughs> and that's, yeah, that's uh, there. I am reading a true horror book that Ooh. was recommended to me by somebody. It's called the fisherman. Okay. Um, and it's about a guy who, uh, whose wife passes away and he's going to go fishing with his buddy who also had a tragic thing happen to him. And uh, the particular Creek they're choosing Dutchman's Creek has these crazy this crazy awful historical story about um a guy who got his wife resurrected by a strange dark um wizard and it just wreaks havoc on the town well then that town gets flooded away by a dam and now that dam is this creek where men go fishing and then really 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 weird terrible things happen when they go fishing Ooh, there uh sounds so fascinating I, I think it's up your alley it is and I'll, I will give it probably a three-star review because what the book does uh, is that there's a, a quarter of the book where you learn about the two main guys, and then they're going to go fishing. And they run to this guy at the diner, and he, they're like, oh, we're going to go to this place. He's like, well, you don't want to go to this place, and here's why. The next 50% of the book is him telling the story of why you don't want to go there because of what happened to this town and all these people. And then with the last 25% of the book, you cut back to the two guys, and – for me, it's not working very well. Okay, it feels like it's stretching the story in a very strange way. I'm glad the guy. Sure, I get. I get what you're saying. A weird thing. Um, who is that horror director who did Doctor Sleep and does everything awesome now? In horror, uh, uh, Flanagan. Flanagan. Mike Flanagan. Flan- yeah. Flanagan doing this as an eight episode miniseries would, would make it better. That in a heartbeat. I was it, actually kind of thinking that tone. Him written all over it, all because the creepy imagery, like I. I've never had a book really give me a nightmare before, but I was walking the dog at like 10 o'clock the other night and I'm listening to this book and they're you just do an spread. audiobook. Cause I was, that's, yes, I was actually thinking, an I'm, yeah. I'm looking for a new audiobook. I was kind of yeah. thinking for this. I would say do this one. Um, because the, some of the descriptions of like, I'll just say the description of one particular fish is so terrifying. I actually paused the book. I'm like, I'm going to listen to this in the morning. I can't do this too late. <laughs> I love it. Night. 
I could use a horror read. All right. Yeah. The Fisher List. Give all that right. one a shot. So I I binged. I went through all that stuff. Was there anything else? Uh, no, just mostly trying to get sleep. No, I get it. Good. What about kids, you? Right? Have you been you know, kids? Am I right? Um, have you been watching or reading or listening or building? Wait, wait, I wait. I guess okay. I did some. I just thought of this. I went to yeah, the grocery please. store, dude. Have you seen the uh, the, the, the the Time Life uh, Celebration magazine about Godzilla? No. Okay, so you know how sometimes they're like, Star Wars, 50 years ago. Yeah, well, oh, I've, I've got a Life magazine on Godzilla from okay. like four years ago. They're, the Godzilla one is on the rack, and I was like, ooh, I wonder okay. if Brendan knows. I, I will go check that out, because I, <laughs> I was just thinking Galen is getting old enough to watch Godzilla, and Carol loved him when he was that age, and I should go through a Godzilla phase with him again. Yeah, well, it was we were at Target, and I just I saw it in the checkout lane, and I also saw a new manga called Kaiju, and I was like, ooh, that could be good. So but I was anyway. so pleased the other day. A giant monster something came up and Carol said, oh, that looks like a kaiju. I'm like, oh, I've taught you well, young Padawan. Yes, beautiful. Uh, uh, anyway, uh, what, what have you been enjoying? Uh, so last week I went and saw Air, the Ben Affleck's new movie. Okay. Man, I really enjoyed that movie. Cool, I really man. liked it. This one, it, it, uh, it's the, it beat out uh, Moneyball as being the sports movie with the least amount of sports. <laughs> um, Dang, it, it, it reminded me a lot of Moneyball. I like Moneyball better. Moneyball is... Oh, I love Moneyball. Um, it, <laughs> this one is a, a lighter fare, but it is a delightful movie. It's one of those, you go to the movies, take your dad, have a great time, enjoy every minute of it. It'll be on Amazon in probably two weeks and have it and enjoy <laughs> it. Well, it was an Amazon studio, so you know it'll be there soon. Mm-hmm. Um, it's great. I, I, I've seen all but one of Ben Affleck's directorial works and I've enjoyed every single one of them. The only one I haven't seen is the only one that I heard wasn't that great. Uh, strong recommend. Uh, I took the kids to super Mario on Sunday. I'm um, seeing it Friday. Okay, cool. Yeah. I mean, it's a kid's movie. It's ridiculous. It's not the best kids movie I ever saw. I enjoyed every minute of it. I had a great time. Uh, it's got more Easter eggs for Mario than, than Ready Player One had Easter eggs for the 80s. It's just crammed full of just all kinds of stuff. If you enjoy anything Nintendo, you'll have a good time. Mm-hmm. Um, we're doing Poker Face. Did I mention that last time? I don't know if you I did started You did mention yet. that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Still working our way through Poker Face. I'm still reading through Hyperion. Um, both are amazing. I'm taking my time with them, enjoying them. But yeah, that's that's kind of what I'm consuming well, I will I will tease you with a couple things that you will be consuming shortly. Oh, uh, please, tease. Tommy Wiseau has a new movie coming <gasps> out. Oh, I don't know, though, man. <sighs> but did you hear about Bob Odenkirk redoing The Room and taking it very I seriously? I did hear about that, and I can't so, wait for that. Because that's a great that, idea. Because yep. he's, he's taking the script of The Room and trying to make, with good filmmakers, and make a movie without changing the script, which to yep. me, that's a great experiment. I have always wanted, have I ever told you my dream of having a, like three directors be handed the same script in the same budget oh, and make the movie no, at the same I time. Love this. I've always wanted to see this where you just, you give them the same starting material and you see what they make and you compare. I, I think it'd be so much fun. Dang man. I love that idea. So um, that's why one of the reasons I'm so excited for that one. Okay, but go ahead. Uh, Scorsese's Killers of the Flower Moon is going to be three hours and 26 minutes. That's mm-hmm. pretty darn exciting. Yep. Um, 
And uh, the third one was uh, Bo is Afraid. I think it's out front. Oh, I'm watching the hell out of that movie, man. (laughs) I'm stoked I was like, I have a feeling this one is for you. There's, if you look at the Twitter early uh, review things, there are so many stories of people saying, I, I was reading one where the credits started rolling and a guy stood up and looked at the theater and said, if any of you fucking clap, you are dead to me. <laughs> <laughs> wow, Sorry. two of bombs one episode. I love it. That's, that, that, I, I told that you the Matrix quote. one, right? From my brother, the Matrix, when he went and saw it. Uh-uh. Uh, when, when my brother Chris saw the Matrix uh, opening night, I believe, uh, gosh, way back in what, 99, 2000? He said... Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> With a packed theater, when Morpheus does the red blue, red pill and the blue pill, or blue pill and then red pill, you know, and then he's just like, you see how far uh, this the rabbit hole goes. Some guy stood up and said, "Take both pills, get real fucked up." <laughs> I love it. I love it. That's three. That's three f bombs in one episode. Beautiful. Um, and then Return of the Jedi is back in theaters next week. That's yep. very exciting. Forty anniversary. Super we, exciting. We've been working our way through all the movies, and we actually did the last one we've done was Empire Strikes Back. So we, that worked out. How could I not take my kids to see it in theaters? Oh, amazing. I'm also gonna next week is just another reminder. Uh, Fathom Events is doing Spirited Away, the stage play live oh. uh, not live but they're showing it at theaters that's pretty darn cool yeah i'm gonna do that so Beautiful. yeah got some good stuff to look forward to yes we do all right everyone well shoot thank you for uh checking in with uh hero and uh miss jetley and we just uh we'll see you in the next one i suppose won't we adiosio people Later.